Hello and welcome to Plan Francisco, the new podcast that interviews the best and brightest financial planning professionals in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm your host, Maxwell Schmitz. I need a plan, a magic key. Today we have the inimitable Pam Fugit-Hedrick with us. Pam will teach us how she went from introvert to ace with the radio show to boot. She uses strategic centers of influence and sticks to her first principles of affordability and customization for her clients. Pay special attention to the common mistakes she sees her clients making and her ability to provide solutions from there. I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did. All right, we're here with Pam Fugit-Hetrick. Thank you so much for joining us today, Pam. It's lovely to have you. Thanks. Thanks for asking me. Sure. So I think it's probably prudent to start off by just asking, how do you describe what you do? My job is to unravel the mysteries of health insurance for my clients, in a nutshell. I love that. (laughs) I just love that. How did you you come to that sort of, uh, I I don't know if I can call it elevator pitch or slogan? You know, it's um, somebody, one time I made something complex, simple, or that they could understand it, and they were like, oh, mystery solved, and then it just sort of evolved after that, and every time I say it or leave it on my outgoing message, I can always hear people chuckling as they're leaving the message, and it seems to, like, decompress people, so I've just continued to use that line. (laughs) That and the word shocking, because shocking can be good, bad, and different, and it just seems to suit any occasion. It's beautiful, and it so resonates with people, too, I think. We've yeah, all had our does, headaches. You know, oh, something ugly happened. Shocking. <laughs> something great happened. Shocking. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So the mysteries of health insurance, I mean, does that mean that you're primarily in the health insurance space, or is it solely, or can you tell us a little um, bit more about your practice? Primarily now, actually, I got originally licensed as a property and casualty agent, and I came from a health background and had always worked in healthcare hmm. before I came to this. And so I thought, well, I'll get my life and health license too. What the heck, I might need it. And then when I came to work at DCD Insurance, um, they had nobody to do health insurance. And they're like, well, you understand this blue stuff, whatever this stuff is, why do you do this stuff? Uh-huh. And pretty soon the stuff took over my life, and I haven't touched the P&C policy in quite some time. Oh, that's interesting. But you've maintained your license. I know license. enough to take the in- input and give it to somebody who knows what to do with it. Um, Amen. That's about it. Yeah, <laughs> super wise. Beautiful. Yeah, so we divide and conquer here. Yeah. So how did you get into this business originally? I um, was an animal health technician, and I loved working with animals, but found it a fabulous way to starve. Mm-hmm. So then I sold out and started working on and was a medic in the Navy for six years. Oh, wow. And I worked for different, um, I had a healthcare business doing some really weird off-the-wall thing with blood that probably better not to discuss on this. Um, okay. But during the AIDS crisis, when that all popped up, that was a big deal. Yeah. And then went to work for Abbott Laboratories in a small startup. And the recurring theme was as soon as you came up with a product or device that was really good, your technology would be sold to some mega facility that was always back in Chicago. And I spent one winter back there, and I never want to go back. <laughs> so I'm like, I have to find a way to stay home. I uh-huh. live in paradise. I want to live here. Right. Somehow, insurance came up. And I switched over to that in 2002. 
That's great. And where are you, just for the listeners, in case they don't know? I'm in Santa Cruz, California. Yeah, I'd say. Um, was there any sort of episode or person who you credit to, to bringing you into the business? Oddly enough, I think the insurance conversation started with a farmer's agent, you know, mm-hmm. and I responded to some ad, and I knew enough to know that my personality doesn't deal with the word captive very well, <laughs> but the whole concept of insurance was intriguing mm-hmm. and kind of pursued it on my own, and I was in a place where, once again, um, startup technology that I was working with got bought up by Roche, and my um, technology was moving to Chicago, and I had the choice to Mm -hmm. go with the technology or stay home, Mm -hmm. and um, had some training, you know, funding that was here, get a new career type thing, Mm -hmm. and so I utilized that time to get my insurance license and found a place to hang a shingle and off I went. What makes you come back to work every day? Why did you stay? I really like um, like the medical side of things, helping people. There's that satisfaction of when you see the light bulb come on and they actually really understand their policy for the first time mm. or they call in in a total panic and you can you know keep them from jumping off the ledge. Nope, you got coverage for that. You're okay. Right. You're going to be out this much and then the rest is somebody else's problem. <laughs> Um, all of that's real satisfying, nice, warm, fuzzy feeling when you're able to help. And so as interesting as times can be in health insurance these days, that part is enough to keep me coming back to work. So it sounds like that, that client interface is really what brings you back. It, would you say that's the favorite part of what you do? or yeah, are you, are I you, think so. Okay, yeah. excellent. So I just sat and did um, you know, one-on-one appointments and had the luxury of time to not feel rushed also fabulous Mm -hmm. Um, you know so I really like that interface awesome for somebody who's kind of a natural introvert the one-on-one thing works good for me and that that's an interesting (laughs) interesting point because you know I've seen so many different personality types succeed in this business and um, I think there's sort of a I wouldn't say a stigma necessarily but some, you know, everybody has sort of a caricature of what a insurance salesperson looks like. And, and I think it's right. important to underscore that natural introverts can really make this stuff work, too. In fact, yeah. are incredible resources when it comes to explaining all the, the nitty-gritty details and unraveling the mysteries, if you will. Introverts, I think, actually have an advantage. Maybe not so much in marketing or networking. That's kind of an acquired skill for me, mm-hmm. but... Um, the whole one-on-one or, you know, it's like sitting down and talking to a friend. What would you want your friend to know? Mm-hmm. And if you can keep that perspective, it's not like you're standing in front of a room of 10,000 people. I can do that now after years, but mm-hmm. in junior college, I actually got voted the least likely person to ever talk to somebody <laughs> from my swim team. So somebody gave me a coconut head that was carved like a here, carry this around because you'll talk to people if they talk to you first. Sure. But I would never instigate a conversation. Oh my gosh, that's the and saddest superlative. So I mean, go figure. Yeah, right. Oh, let's talk about that. Yeah, I mean, when you... I always want to run into that guy later in life and, and tell him about that. Hey, thanks for that coconut head because it was really helpful. He <laughs> uh, sounds like a fun guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so let's let's chat a little bit more about the radio show. How did you? 
come to picking up that sort of um, uh, that opportunity? Total happy accident. Um, thank you, Obamacare. Mm-hmm. Um, the year 2010, I happened to be the um, president of my NAFA group here locally. Awesome. And um, Obamacare was just getting voted. It was the summer when everyone was talking about it. It hadn't even been voted in yet. Mm. And then we were going to all those meetings, and the local radio show um, host asked me to come in every Thursday for like five minutes and just say, hey, of all the meetings you're going to, what are you hearing? Mm. And so I was doing just a little reporter thing. Oh, cool. And they're like, you should have your own show. And it's a a funky little station that we have locally that um, most of the programming is locals. Okay. And you can have everything from the Cannabis Hour to Rush Limbaugh to, you know, anything in between. So... Why not health insurance? um, Why not that? So the show is actually called Money Moves, which is generic enough that I can pretty much spin anything around the topic of money. But health insurance, long-term care, disability is all part of that, how to do social security. So it ties in with what I do during the day. Yeah. And it's turned out to be a really good marketing tool. I was just going to ask. It you credibility. Uh, oh, completely. I mean, you talk about establishing credibility in this business. I feel like there's a... Someone told me there's a combination that, that's really key. It's that authority, celebrity, and expertise. And I feel like having a radio show, you accomplish all three. So you're yeah. you're, you're the ace. Yeah, it, it is funny if you go someplace and are like, oh, you know, you see on that radio show. I'm like, I do? Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So is, is that the... It's the introvert because you're sitting in a box by yourself most of the time. So you don't have right. any anxiety about Sure. Yeah, you're just on a mic, kind of like right yeah. now, or on the phone. Yeah, like now. So, is that sort of your your big marquee marketing um, method, if you will, or do you have other? I think others? everything ties into that. Mm-hmm. I um, I belong to a women's networking group of all business women, and we meet weekly. And I certainly have some really strong power partners there. Hmm. Um, when, again, the ACA hit up and I was already tied in very closely with a uh, tax person that was local, and I'm like, well, good, we've always liked each other, and now the government says we have to work together. <laughs> so, you know, I had my built-in tax expert, and when her clients asked questions about health insurance, she knew where to punt them. So, oh, awesome. Um, you know, having those strong connections has been a really good source of referrals and now it's referrals of referrals of referrals it just kind of keeps spiraling that's great so centers of influence sounds like it's still a key part of business totally a game changer i think Mm. so is that your your main one with the with the tax advisor or do you have others as well um she's probably the primary one there is a financial planner in there that sends me quite a bit of business oh awesome Um, there's a bookkeeper that sends me um, people who have small businesses looking for um, group insurance. Mm-hmm. Most of the time now they don't qualify, so they do individual insurance. Or, you know, all of them have parents, grandparents, or them actually in my age group, them themselves are turning 65 and needing Medicare. So Sure. Um, and the other one is a hairdresser. Because she talks to everybody, right? The hairdresser and the bartenders always talk to everybody. That is brilliant. And so they're like, oh, I know somebody that can help you with that. Here's her card. Oh, my gosh. 
So I get a lot of, so you never know. It's not necessarily just your professional contact. Right, right. Hairdressers and bartenders leave them your cards. <laughs> That's brilliant. I feel like, if anything, I mean, somebody will be able to extract that nugget from this conversation. Yeah, and, right? I mean, you know, whenever you're getting your hair done, it's like this little chit-chat session. That's beautiful. Great. So, you know, sort of switching gears a little bit, I'd like to talk a little more about what sort of strategies you implement when actually uh, assessing different plans. Are there any methods that you kind of start with, or is it unique to each individual? What's your game plan? First, I ask them some leading questions about what kind of things are important to them. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes I find people are just so unaware of what the options are that they don't even know where to start mm-hmm. my default fallback is to more of a um, save for the smaller emergencies high deductible HSA you know that type of genre and if they look squirmy and uncomfortable we move on to higher levels of coverage mm. um, but I find that if you start them with a lower cost plan and by their choice they move up it's sure. a different conversation than if you start with a platinum plan and then it sounds like you're bringing them down to something else. Completely. Oh, I love that. That seems I love that. to work better for me personally. And yeah. um, my tax friend uh, beat me soundly when I first got my license and said, you must learn about health savings accounts because I deal with small business people and I'm recommending that they all have these and you must know about them. Hmm. So I was an early adopter because she made me. Yeah, And, you know, I'm very grateful to her for that. It's a differentiator in, in what I do. That's surprising to me. It, it seems like such a good solution for so many small business people. I don't know. Am I off basis I, on that? I find in the agent community, um, there's, like, I was the, the new buck, so to speak, right? I have no mm-hmm. clients. I have to build anything's better than nothing. Yep. And then there was the people 40 years in the business who had always sold these other types of plans. Okay. And I think their fallback was to always go with kind of what they had always had. And why would you sell a plan that costs at that time so much less? Sure. And take a lower commission. Mm-hmm. Where I was looking at any dollar was better than no dollar. Completely. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of leave the commission piece out of my brain when I'm doing it. That's um, so valuable and, and uh, respectable. And then, um, you know, they feel like you have their best interest in mind. Completely. So is that that strategy where you're talking about delivering maybe a more low-cost solution out of the gate, is that something you do across the board when you're talking about other products as well? Or is it just for health mm-hmm. insurance? Certainly okay. for, for Medicare. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've tried to, in the group world, we've tried to show our larger clients, hey, here's how you can self-insure and kind of take some of this on. Mm-hmm. Here's how you can incorporate health savings accounts and you know, teach your employees how to have a little skin in the game when they were coming from rich plants and things got so expensive. Um, and in Medicare, I would say half of my Medicare clients are on like the high deductible plan F and the other half choose the F or the G. So, you know, it's I give them that option. Mm-hmm. It's kind of in some ways, it's a pay me now or pay me later kind of thing. So are you a pay me now or pay me later kind of person? Yeah, that makes sense. And some of them are like the nervous Nellies. They would go nuts if they had a high deductible plan. Great, we'll go the other way. It's fine. Right, yeah. 
other people. My, you know, my mother is the classic. Um, she comes from being a bookkeeper, so it's like, okay, my plan F would be two sixty, and my high deductible and seventy dollars. I save more money than I can spend. Oh, no brainer, done. Yeah. (laughs) She can take the emotion out of it. Some clients can't. So, when did you venture into the um, the Medicare supplement business? That must be a more of a newer sort of pivot for you then. Is that right? Yeah, but for the first few years, I don't think I did any Medicare. You know, everybody was like, oh, go for the whales. Go for those groups. You know, that's yeah. the easy stuff. Well, I didn't know anything about any of it. So, right. you know, I was all on the job learning. And thankfully, there are some local agents here that I met through Mahu and NAFA that, you know, had pity on me. Whenever I would ask my dumb questions, they would politely answer them. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it, and um, GAs also play into that where, you know, you can get some support. Like, okay, I have this client and here's what they need. Which one of these things does that? Right. So, yeah. So um, until you learn, you know, hang on to a mentor or a GA or somebody who can help you. When the Affordable Care Act started, we were all, I don't care if you had 40 years in the business or you were brand new, you were all in the same boat, so we all had to learn it. You you mentioned your affiliation with NAFA, and I think I also heard you mention NAHU. What do you attribute um, the role of NAHU and NAFA to your career? I mean, have they helped you develop professionally in any way? Oh, yeah. A lot of my mentors came from relationships of people I met at those meetings. Certainly the continuing education. Mm. Um, I was just on a NAFA webinar today where I took some copious notes and, you know, got some great taglines and questions to ask clients, you know, in dealing with um, long-term care and um, life insurance. Um, You know, you can never stop learning, and so... Completely. They get these high-powered speakers in there that, you know, you get some really brilliant tidbits. I always come away with something. That's awesome. And um, in my area, we don't have a NAHU that's on my side of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And we're in, like, a little geographic valley. Um, but we do have a NAFA, and most of our NAFA members are health insurance people anyway. Mm. So we kind of have kind of a funky hybrid NAFA group where we happen to mostly deal with health anyway. That's interesting. But I do still belong to NAHU because I go over the hill and venture out for some of the bigger meetings or certainly appreciate the legislative things that they do, mm-hmm. um, keeping us as agents at the table when everybody said, uh, this will be like shopping for shoes and we won't need agents. Oh, now we've come full circle oh, yeah. where we do 85% of their enrollment. Right. They like us again. Interesting how that influence changes when you look at the numbers. Yes. And so, you know, we could have ever so easily been kicked completely to the curb and out of the equation. Right. Oh. Um, but we're still at the table, and I still have a job. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we can limp it through until I get ready to retire, but... Um, <laughs> Well, that that actually does bring us to the next question that I had on the list here, which is, you know, sort of your vision for the industry in the next five to ten years. What does, uh, what do, what do you think the industry at large looks like in that time frame? Well, for health insurance in general, it's so hard to say. I, I think know. Medicare and long-term care. 
there because, you know, the whole baby boomer, I'm on the tail end of that one myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, we're all getting older. We're all in that sandwich generation of taking care of parents and looking back at our kids and go, I don't want them taking care of me. (laughs) And, you know, trying to figure that out. So I think that is a growing area. Um, What will happen with the Affordable Care Act and the subsidies? Wow, wish I had a crystal ball for that one. I've just sort of, like that song in Frozen, Let It Go. (laughs) That's my theme song. That's, yeah. Oh, Oh, I was really big into group insurance. Let it go. Now I'm really big into individual and Medicare. At some point I may need to let that go and go back to the other. It's a beautiful situation if you if you can handle some of the, the, the pressures. And certainly there are challenges in the business, of course. Yeah, I took up yoga. It's very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> so important. Got to stay centered. Yeah, uh, during fourth quarter it helps you get through. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's been the uh the Let me just bang. go in a corner and either cry or do some deep breathing. Okay, suck it up. Let's go back. Okay. Right. No, I mean, being in the long-term care and disability insurance business, primarily, I know never, never poke the bear in the fourth quarter. Don't ever try to call oh, a health yeah. insurance advisor. Yeah. No. We're yeah. to our desk. I have a night, one open, you know, spot in my office, and people are like, what, you know, what, you haven't put anything there? I'm like, no, that's where I sleep at night. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, the challenges. So (laughs) with that in mind, I mean, are there any challenges that you view as perhaps opportunities or maybe just opportunities in general that you're looking forward to in the the near future? Yeah, I'm I'm getting more into the education around uh, long-term care and annuities and more of that retirement thing, mainly Mm -hmm. because I needed the education for myself. And it's yeah. good fodder for my radio show. Yeah. So I love having guests on the show where I'm I'm interviewing them, but frankly, I'm learning from them as well. Totally. With my listeners. And, um, you know, adopting some of that. And as I am bringing people through with, um, you know, talking about their individual insurance or, hey, in two years, yay, best birthday present, we're going to transition you to Medicare. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, uh, you know, have... Oh, the, the conversation of Social Security comes out, which leads to something else, which leads to something else. And so if you can become that resource for all of that, mm-hmm. you leave enough irons in the fire that you'll certainly be able to, you know, make a living with helping them transition from, you know, blind to blind, so to speak, you know. For sure. Group to their individual, to their Medicare, to whatever. Mm-hmm. And I love how you, you started by saying also that, you know, you're really kind of scratching your own itch. I just think of all the the multitudes of successful projects and entrepreneurs that have developed out of that same habit, you know, of, of really just... Oh, sure. You know. If it's a pain to you, it's a pain to somebody else. Amen. So if you can fix the pain for yourself, then you now have skills to turn that around and fix it for the rest of the client too. Yeah. have that same problem. Speaking of clients' problems, I want to make sure I ask this question. What is the most common problem or mistake that you see clients making? Believing that the um, individual mandate or the group mandate is why they buy insurance. Why they buy insurance, whether that mandate exists or not, is always the same. It always has been. Do you have enough money to pay the bill without help? Mm. Um, 
so I think that's the number one thing we'll look at in the next year. A lot of people are like, hey, I don't have to have it anymore. Yeah, yeah you do. Whether the government says so or not. Oh my gosh, seriously. And um, not opening their mail. Oh my God, open the mail. Um, You know, so many notices go out and we become so numb to them because, well, let's face it, the notices the uh, exchanges send out are are barely intelligible. Oh my gosh, I never even thought about that. A lot of what the insurance carriers send out is not any better. Mm-hmm. And so they become numb and like, I'm not going to understand it, so I just won't open it. And it might be the one that says, like, you have to change your billing because we changed vendors. Mm. You think we're on autopilot, and six months later you go in and find that you got canceled for non-payment five months ago. Oh, my gosh. And so we get that one a lot. So in the fall, it's like a recurring sea of people coming in. I went to the pharmacy, and they said my insurance canceled. Oh, wow. Did you pay the bill? I'm on autopilot. Did the money come out? Cricket. <laughs> you know. Yeah, Open I mean. Open the mail. Um, if you don't understand the stuff in the mail, don't worry about it. Nobody else does either. Bring it back to your agent and have them explain it to you. There you go. How about um, strategies and planning and things like that? Are you seeing any patterns with regard to you know, maybe holes in, in clients' portfolios, or, I mean, I know you're not doing much on the investment asset side, but um, with regard to just their overall financial health. I think um, people are really hungry for information about retirement, social, taking their social security, mm-hmm. um, long-term care, and they, you know, they're hearing over and over in the news about the cost of health care as you get older. Oh, good. Um, and so that is a con- um, constant conversation driver. Mm-hmm. Um, so that opens up opportunities if they're coming in and asking you about that. Or I don't even wait. I have it on my checklist when we move into Medicare. The bottom thing on my checklist is like you understand Medicare doesn't pay for dental, routine vision, um, hearing aids, or long-term care. So you are doing one of these three things. You either have insurance. Do you? No? Okay. Then you're self-insuring or, you know, here's some financial tools that we have for that. That's and amazing. And that drives you right into the next conversation. Perfect pivot point, so, too, for, for that LTC sort of Medicare. It, it's, you know, yeah. I won't say it's and one in the same. People but. are happy to tell you, oh, you know, you start hearing the stories, yeah, we had to take care of grandma or my parents are going through this now or mm-hmm. whatever. And I'm like, well, it's, you know. That's the other thing when you say, um, you know, what do clients get wrong? Procrastination. Ah. Um, not signing up for health insurance and thinking wrongly, um, somewhat because of the press, I guess, that you can sign up for health insurance anytime. Oh, sorry, got nothing to sell you. The store's closed. Right. <laughs> not, not open enrollment. That's a tough conversation. Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah, you got a, a drug plan penalty, so your $20 policy is going to cost you dollars a month mm-hmm. um, you know not knowing the timelines everything now is about taxes and timelines it's really nothing to do with your health anymore mm-hmm. so the conversation has changed and not everybody's kept up with that yeah that's fair so you'll have to buy it before you need it though you can't buy home insurance when your house is on fire or in that volcano in Hawaii um, oh gosh 
you know, those people yeah. can't call and get insurance right now as the law is encroaching their house. Nope. They either had it or they, they didn't. And health insurance is exactly the same problem. Exactly. Yeah. It's not going to work like that, unfortunately. So knowing what you know today, I mean, is there anything that you would have done differently if you were just starting out again? I probably would have started earlier and skipped a few careers <laughs> that I had in there. Yeah, <laughs> that's good to hear. Um, but I, I always laugh um, recently, actually last week, and I just went to um, the wedding of somebody I met in a leadership group at NAFA. Oh, wow. Um, and so... You know, he's almost my age, not quite that old. But, uh, you know, we, I always laugh. Have you ever met anybody who, when you were a kid and you had that parent day, you know, career day, that said, I want to grow up to be an insurance agent? <laughs> Nobody I knew. I didn't even know what one was, right? Right. So I certainly didn't want to be one. I didn't even know what they were. Yeah. Um, but he was the only person that ever said yes, and only because his father was a life insurance agent. And he knew the freedom of his dad being home and stuff, and he wanted to be able to do that. And it always stuck out to me that Lloyd was the one and only person that I ever used to answer that question. So, I finally good. met Lloyd's dad at his wedding. So. Oh, nice. Is that the Silvers? <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. Oh, cool. That Lloyd's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, he is. So he got the most. He, I told him, you officially win. Now, a lot of us have gone through that Lily leadership program in, in NAFA, and we all made a lot of really positive changes in our life. But because I always talked about my dog shows, and he had no work life balance at that point in oh, his life no. when I met him, we all had issues. That was his. Of course. And uh, so he's like, oh, you know, that whole dog thing sounds fun. I think I'll get a dog. And about a year later, he showed up at my competitions with the dog that he was training. I'm like, no kidding, you actually did it. Oh, my gosh. Then he had to keep up with said dog, so then he had to lose weight. And then he met this girl that he married through the dog shows. So no way. I'm like, all right, if this was a race, Lloyd, you win. Yeah. <laughs> Holy smokes. And, you know, I think you get partial credit for putting him on track there, too. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the dogs were in his wedding. It was adorable. So oh, okay. my gosh. That's too much. Awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, this has been a really fun conversation. I just want to make sure everybody has an opportunity to kind of um, understand where you're coming from and and how you operate. Is there any one thing that you'd want your clients to say to themselves or their peers after working with you? I think the biggest warm fuzzy I get is when they went, why did I wait so long to come in? You made this so easy. If I hear those words from them, like when I'm moving them to Medicare and they've been bombed for six months with all this incomprehensible gook, or they've gone to all these classes and taken copious notes, and I kind of do a little cocktail napkin presentation. They're like, ah, so simple. So awesome. those are the biggest. If I can take something complex and distill it down to just what they needed to hear, mm-hmm. then I've done my job and they're happy, and I typically have a client for life. So That is beautiful. One last thing, of course. How can how can everyone get in touch with you if they want to learn more about your business? Um, they can find my website. It's lowcostca, like the state of California, health.com. I know it's an oxymoron now, but it made sense when I made the website. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm at uh, DCD, Financial and Insurance Service, like dog, cat, dog. And I'm um, in Santa Cruz, so you can... Look me up if you're in the area and 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Pam. Appreciate your time today. Thanks so much. And thanks for coming to Plan Francisco. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed. Please be sure to subscribe and visit us again soon here at Plan Francisco.